Welcome back, folks. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred, and we got a great show tuned up for you here today, as always. We're going to get into our top five prospect rankings. This week, it's the running backs and wide receivers. Next week, it's tight end and O-line. So we're going to get into everybody's uh, favorite athletes on the offensive side of the ball with the positional skill players. And then after that, we're going to jump right into the Fix Your Franchise segment, the one we started last week. Uh, Last week was Jacksonville Jaguars, so go back and listen to that if you didn't get the chance. And this week it's going to be the Detroit Lions. We're going to figure out how we can fix the Detroit Lions for the upcoming 2022 NFL season. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it here. So as promised, the first segment we're going to get into here today is going to be our top five positional rankings for the upcoming NFL draft. So we've started to grind through a ton of tape. I've probably watched around 80 guys, if if not more, including some of the stuff that we did the previous summer. So I got a good idea of who we like and where and have kind of tailored it to what they've done during the 2021 season. So we're going to start off with running backs, then we're going to do wide receivers. We're going to try to save quarterbacks for the very end, the big reveal, everybody's favorite position to take a look at. But right off the bat here, the top five running backs, number five on my list, uh, it's going to be Damian Pierce. So Damian Pierce, the running back out of Florida, uh, he was a little underutilized there in Florida during his time, uh, but when he did get his opportunities, he really made the best of them. A lot of his tape is really good, and I, I wasn't really, uh, I guess, privy to his skills, I guess, coming into this. So then I, I kind of listen around to some of these podcasts. I, I follow along with some of these big boards and he's really climbing his way up. And when you flip on the tape, you can see why he's a super physical runner. Uh, he's really downhill. He's not afraid of contact. He doesn't have like this huge top end speed, but I was listening to a pod the other day, and like they said, they don't you don't really need that anymore. I, I believe it was the the, the stock, NFL Stock Exchange podcast. You don't really need that anymore. You don't need to have this blazing four three speed to be a good running back in today's NFL. You got to be able to get at least you know ten to twenty yards at a crack when you break that first level of the line of scrimmage and try to make guys miss and be really physical. So I think that Damian Pierce is very prototypical. But I think his uh, his athleticism is going to cap his ceiling here. So that's, he's never going to have that top end like gear where he's going to break free for 60, 70 yard runs on multiple occasions throughout a game or every couple weeks. I think he's going to be more of your consistent uh, downhill, give you the rock, I'll get you what you need. And then he's also very good at pass pro, which is going to be also be a, a helpful piece to this as well, too. You're going to be able to keep him on the field on third down. So Damian Pierce, our number five running back. Number four running back is going to be a familiar name. He was a very highly touted running back this past year. It's going to be Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is a running back out of Michigan State. Uh, he was, I believe, the Walter Camp Player of the Year. Doak Walker, best running back in the country this year. And when you flip on the tape, He's very, very gifted as a runner. He's able to find the creases. And the thing about him is he does have that top-end gear. He is the guy that's going to be able to get you those home run plays. And that's something that's very useful in today's NFL, that that raises your ceiling as what you can be as a, a starting running back in the NFL nowadays. Whereas the opposite part of his game, the pass pro, the, uh, the pass catching – he, he catches patch, passes at Michigan State, not very often, but I'm not sure to what 
level. I don't know if that was like his way to get a spell in college, and then they would get bring in another guy to get him some passes. I just or they just don't target their running backs. I'm not exactly sure what their scheme is there, but I think that and pass pro. His pass pro is very weak. He he wasn't really seeking out the contact, uh, initiating the the hits here when he's stepping up to try to fill and slide, help with the side protect. So I, w- I think that's something that he can get better at. And that's why he's at number four on our list here. But I think his ceiling as a runner, having that extra burst, is something that kind of propels him over some of these other guys in this class. And he's going to land him at number four. Our number three running back is, this was like my number one guy heading into the season. So I've been... uh. I, I don't want to say I've been down on him because a lot of times what happens is in, the, in this process is it's not necessarily that I'm down on this guy. It's that there's a couple other guys that really, really kind of opened my eyes or kind of really raised their game up that elevated their status compared to the others. And Brees Hall was an extremely, extremely productive college running back out of Iowa State. He's going to land at number three for us. And I think... The number one term I like to use with his game is contact balance. If you're wondering what contact balance is, watch Brees Hall. He does really good with defenders bouncing off of him, and it doesn't seem like he's it affects him that much. He's able to absorb the contact and still either make a cut or continue his run in the direction he's looking to go. And I think that's an extremely valuable skill. I think he's got really good cuts, too, where he could be used in his own scheme at the next level. And I know the rumor out there is, I know he said something, or I seen an interview from the Combine, is that he's going to really turn some heads in the 40. So, I mean, if he hits like 4-4, I think that that's really big time. I think that's, you know, Kenneth Walker range. I think that's about how fast he'll run it. So that could raise his ceiling up a little bit, too. But uh, at, at this moment in time, when I watch his tape, I don't really see that, like, really, you know, 40-yard dash, uh, sh- short shuttle type of speed where this guy's an athletic freak. I more so see the long stuff. I see the the patience. I see the vision. I see the, the jump cuts. That's the stuff I see with his game, and that's the stuff that I really like. I think that's the stuff that translates really well at the next level. So, Brees Hall, you're going to go number three on our list here. Coming in at number two, and this one might be a little bit of a shocker for everybody, but I, I I guess I just don't see why this guy isn't on more draft boards or higher on draft boards because I think he's really, really good at football, and he's at one of the biggest programs in the nation. It's going to be Brian Robinson Jr., and everybody can call me crazy and tell me that this guy is not a top two running back in this class, but, I mean, when you look at him, he's built. He's 6'1", 225 pounds, so he's huge. He's, he's got production this year. I mean, go, go flip on this, the game against Cincinnati. He had over 200 yards. I mean, yeah, he had like 25 carries. But still, I mean, he's, get, he's getting them in a crack. He's getting them like eight yards at a goal. And, like, he runs through tacklers. I don't think he's slow. I mean, I think we're talking, you know, mid-4-5 speed. And he runs a little high. It's almost kind of like reminiscent of, like, TJ Yeldon when he was there. But I think he's got more burst than TJ. He's not He's not this patient runner. I think he's the guy that goes out and gets it and seeks it. And I'm like, okay, so he's a good runner. He's big. I'm like, what can he do in pass pro? What can he do catching a ball? And he does that too. He steps up. He's not afraid to take on linebackers that got full heads of steam coming on blitzes from the middle. He's, he's able to step up and help protect. And he catches the ball out of the backfield. He does everything you're asking him to do. 
and I think he's really, really good as a runner. And, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for these guys that are, like, really physical downhill dudes that when you get to that second level and you get a matchup against a safety or a corner, you're going to punish him. And, that, I mean, that's kind of reflected by my list here. There's a, there's a few guys on here that are going to be able to do that. And this is um, – I think that's exactly what he can do. So I, I love Brian Robinson Jr. He's my number two running back for the draft this year. And, honestly, he was number one until I did a rewatch on the, on the number one guy here. And uh, transitioning right over into our number one guy, it's going to be Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. And I wasn't as high on him coming into the season just because – I didn't think he, he was a bigger back, didn't really play big. He had these really shifty feet, I thought, and he did really good with like his jump cuts, and he did really good at the second level making guys miss. Not necessarily always with brute force, but he's a huge dude, and he's not a, not afraid to lower the boom. And when I rewatched his tape this year, I thought he was, he was really churning the legs. I thought he had decent speed. Like we're talking same thing with Brian Robinson. It's like a mid-4.5s kind of guy. But he's lowering his shoulder. He's taking guys on at the second level. What did it for me to give him the number one nod over some of these guys is, holy cow, is he dynamic when he gets at open field. I thought this guy is a mismatch in open space. Uh, he He's consistently like breaking ankles on guys uh, when he's going up against safeties in the open field. And I was like, man, that... That's the kind of special stuff that you look for when you're taking a running back high. Like, if I'm going to take uh, Isaiah Spiller, and, you know, spoiler alert here, I don't think any of these guys are first-round guys. But if I'm going to take Isaiah Spiller at, like, 33, 34, 36, that's the kind of stuff that I want him to be able to do, and I think that's definitely stuff he can do. Uh, they did utilize him in the pass game a little bit. Uh, he does a really good job catching the ball. And, once again, that's when you get him the ball in open space like this. So I think that that's another part that you can add to his skill set here that, is going to make him a more dynamic threat, and I, I don't know—I don't necessarily know if I'd call him good in pass pro, but I just think he's so special as a runner when he breaks that first level of defenders and with the ball in his hands. That I think he's definitely worthy of the running back one selection for this year. So Isaiah Spiller, my number one running back for the 2021 NFL Draft. There was one other running back that I wanted to mention before we moved on to receivers here as an honorable mention. It's going to be Kyron Williams. I don't want to spend too much time on it because he didn't make my list, but I still think that this guy has got a role at the next level. Uh, he's an elite pass protector, elite pass catcher. Uh, he's a he's a pretty decent runner as well, too. I just don't know what his testing is going to look like. I don't know if he's going to be this dynamic uh, runner at the next level is the only reason it, it kept him off my list here. I think all of these guys that are on the list have a really good chance to either be like a lead back or like an RB1 in a, in a, sh a timeshare offense. And I just didn't know if that was going to be him or not once you get to the next level here. So Kyron Williams, honorable mention, just barely missed the list, but I had to get his name in here, sneak it in somewhere. So moving right along here, it's going to be the top five wide receivers in the NFL draft. And... I really like this wide receiver class. I think there's not that elite number one, like, hands-down generational prospect. But I think there's a ton of dudes in this one that are really, really good at football and are going to be come in and make a really good impact on day one. I think you could see a bunch of these guys go in the first round. I'm pretty sure every guy I have in my top five here should be a first-round pick. And leading the list off at number five is going to be Jameson Williams uh, from Alabama. And Jameson Williams, 
really dynamic receiver, extremely big-time uh, speed guy on the outside, and had a really good year for Alabama this year. Uh, he did tear his ACL uh, in the championship game this this past uh, January, so that's going to limit his production in year one, uh, and it might push him down some draft boards. But I think if he was a healthy receiver, he's really making a case for himself as like wide receiver one, two, or three in this class. So I think uh, I think Connor Rogers refers to it as the injury tax that it's going to push him down draft boards. I think it's going to apply to him a little bit. Uh, there's just no way I can waste like a top 15 selection on a guy that's going to play, you know, no snaps for me on offense. Uh, I credit the Tennessee Titans being able to do it with Jennifer or Jeffrey Simmons because a lot of these guys are under pressure to win now. And this is another guy that's going to help you win right now. But nonetheless, back to his production, he's got some serious speed on the outside. They really push the ball down the field to him. I think he averaged like 19.9 yards per catch, which is just a crazy number. That's, I mean, you're getting 20 yards every time he touches the ball. And I really like his ability to, to run some of these drag routes across the formation, get him the ball in space, uh, let him use that speed. He's a little slight. I think he came in at 179 pounds at the combine, so that's a little bit scary. But I'm hoping that we can add a little bit of weight to his frame and not slow him down too much. But either way, I, I like him in this class. I think he's a, he's a round one receiver, and he's coming in at wide receiver five for us. Moving right along to the, the wide receiver four, and honestly, I didn't like this guy's tape uh, originally when I watched it. And then I kind of watched what he did this year for a USC team that wasn't very good. And it's going to be Drake London. And I was kind of surprised. He was like this really efficient chain mover. He's not going to be this huge, hey, let's lob the ball down to him. He's running a 4-3 and he's 6-4 down the field kind of guy. But he was a really efficient chain mover. And he's he really is able to find like these soft spots in the zone coverage. He's got really good hands. And what kind of surprised me as well, too, for being a more of a slight guy at his like 6'3", 6'4", frame, is he's a willing blocker. I thought he was doing a really good job of like getting into these guys' chest and moving them down the field, which kind of adds to the physicality of him as a receiver. So I, I, I like Drake London. It was one of the most more surprising watches for me this year, and I, I could really see a team taking him and using him in the first round. Now, what's concerning to me that's not pushing him up my board a little bit more is his ability to play on the outside of a formation. USC used him a ton in the slot and at his size you'd really like to be able to see him to play play that X or the Z role on the outside but it, I don't know if it like he struggles against some of this press coverage which is that's a huge red flag at this next level but I think there's ways you can scheme him open you want to put him at a flanker position so he's not on the line right away uh, it's just an extra layer. It's not like you can use him throughout the whole formation. So that's the only thing that's going to limit him, in my opinion. And he doesn't have that quick twitch 4-4 speed that I like to see at some of the top guys when they're able to move. So Drake London coming in at wide receiver number four. Uh, wide receiver number three in this draft for me is going to be Traylon Burks. And Traylon Burks is a, he's a really interesting case. Uh, I remember when I first heard about him this, this offseason, and I finally got around to watching him. It was like early in the season when Arkansas was playing one of the bigger name schools and they were like a top 15 team. And he just went off. He, he had like over 10 catches, over 200 yards. And it was clear that uh, they were just like lobbing it to this dude and like, hey, make something happen. And I think he has the ability at the next level to be a really special player. 
just in terms of how they use them because I don't think this is a guy that you you line up and just run a ton of routes, let him be this, you know, huge, big-time threat where we're just letting him get open, you know, cooking guys off the line of scrimmage. I think that you can use him a ton of different ways in the screen game uh, and the on the drag routes we talked about with Jameson Williams where you get him open. It's a little bit of a different threat here. He's got more of the long speed, so it's not like he's going to burn him off the line. But if you you run him across the formation here, you get the ball to him. This guy's 6'2", 225 pounds. He's rocked up. He's running 4'5 speed. And, like, this, he's going to be a tank to bring down. He's like a running back. Like, he's massive. And it's supposedly he's this weight room freak according to, to, I believe it was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. So I think that he could really be this special talent. There's a lot of different ways you can use him. Uh, you, you run him in motion. You can do different things with him there as well, too, if you get a really creative offensive coordinator. So I, I think that he's got a, a high ceiling at the next level just with his body and his build and the production that I've seen for him coming out of the SEC. So he's going to be wide receiver three for me, Traylon Burks. Uh, number two on my list is going to be Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State wide receiver. Uh, he ended up coming in in sub 4-4 in the combine the other day. Uh, he's got a little bit more of a slender frame that I wasn't really expecting from him. He's, I think he's like low 180s. Uh, he's just a hair under six foot as well too, so it's not like he's this massive uh, bodied up, big physical receiver, but he's one of those technicians, and I, I think these technician guys are the ones that translate the, the best at the next level. So that that's something that I really look for when I'm when I'm looking at these guys is whose body control, their release package, and their ability to get open without using necessarily speed or physicality or jump balls is going to translate best at the next level because I think those are the guys that stick around. Those are the guys that are going to be the best receivers in the long term. And I think Garrett Wilson kind of fits that build. I think he's he does a really good job of influencing guys the way he wants them to and basically snapping off these routes and breaking it off and stemming guys to his advantage and getting them to move so that he can be open. And the only reason I didn't have him number one on this list over the other guy is I see a little more body catches with him than the other guy on this list. And it's not like he's got a ton of them. I'm not saying he's got bad hands, but he's just got a tendency, especially over the middle, to, to catch stuff with his body a little more often, which is a little scary uh, if you're going against these NFL linebackers. But Garrett Wilson, I think, is a, he's definitely a worthy round one prospect, and he's going to be my wide receiver too this year. And that's going to take us right into our number one guy for the, the 2021 NFL Combine, or excuse me, Combine, the 2022 NFL draft, our wide receiver one, and this is the my wide receiver one in the summer. So if you want to go back and listen, this isn't reactionary to the combine. He hasn't really moved for me. It's going to be Chris Olave. I thought Chris Olave was so smooth on film. That's the best way to describe his game. It's so smooth. I comped him to, I believe it was Devontae Smith, like a little bit bigger, less production Devontae Smith, and I'll stand by that. And if anything, he proved he's even more dynamic than a Devontae Smith with what the 40 he ran yesterday. They originally hand-timed him at 4.26, and he ends up coming in at 4.38, I believe it was, his official time. So that's a huge discrepancy, whoever's on their stopwatch. But I love this guy's game. Like, he is 
He's so smooth in his breaks. He knows he's got a plan on how he's going to attack these DBs, how he's going to influence you inside and break it off and hit you outside. He does a great job catching with his hands. And honestly, him coming in at like the high 180s was bigger than I thought he was going to come in at the combine. So that was a that was a huge plus for me there as well. And him running in the in the four threes is just further further cements my opinion on him. And because that's faster than I thought, I was hoping for mid four fours. You can go check the receipts on my Twitter. I was hoping for mid four fours. Anything less than that, lock him up. And four three eight exceeded my expectations. I think that shows you that. He's not just this this footwork guy that's gonna influence you off the line of scrimmage. He he's got the the physical traits to be a deep threat, to be an all around uh, receiver, to push you down the field, to get you open in space, to beat you at the line of scrimmage. I love what this guy can do, and I'm really excited because I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. They might not be after the combine here. But I think that if you get this guy at like pick 26 in the first round, I think you're getting a steal. I think this is this is a guy that has the ability to be a true wide receiver one at the next level. I love what he can do, and I'm really excited to see where he ends up in the draft here. Uh, to close it out, there was a couple of guys that just missed our list. Uh, there was a guy that I was, I was probably the leader of the fan club for him all year. And like I said earlier, this isn't necessarily a – uh, hey, this guy was bad this year. I don't think he was bad. I just think some of these guys were so much more uh, special this year. and What they did was so much more exceptional and kind of pushed them up my board here. But it's going to be Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson was, a, was a, a big-time wide receiver for me. I think I had him as like wide receiver three coming into the year. I thought that that tape against Ohio State in 2021 – or 2020 was special. What he did to Sean Wade was special. And I think that he's still worthy of a first round selection. I got him as like a round one, two grade, but don't, I just didn't quite see the, the elite separation, the elite hands that I had seen the, the year prior, which, which kind of concerned me a little bit. And it kind of, instead of giving him that round one grade, kind of gave me the one, two on him. So Jahan Dotson, I wanted to make sure I snuck him in here because he's, He's probably one of my favorite players to watch in this class, and I'm really excited to where he'll end up at the next level as well, too. For Fix Your Franchise this uh, this week, we're going to be leading off with the Detroit Lions, who currently hold the number two selection in the NFL draft, in the upcoming draft. And uh, the 2021 NFL season didn't quite go as well as they had planned. Uh, the team really fought hard, played hard, kept themselves in a lot of games with Dan Campbell. But uh, nonetheless, they finished 313-1, and one, uh, the tie coming against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And really, uh, the, I think this team showed some, some vital key signs in some key areas about you know, they have some building blocks moving forward, uh, namely Panay Sewell, the, the young guy they got in the draft this past year. And uh, this defense has shown some really good bright spot, excuse me, bright spots underneath Aaron Glenn as the defensive coordinator there. So I think that they have some really key pieces in the trenches on both sides that they can really build off of. And I think it'll be a really, really big uh, offseason for them here to get some more key pieces to add to the mix. But uh, as always, with the Fix Your Franchise here, we're going to start off with their cap space, evaluating some of the, the cut candidates that they could do, uh, some free agent uh, 
possible acquisitions as well too. So leading right off, they're they have currently effectively about twenty million dollars in cap space heading into the off season here, and there's not really a ton of guys that they can look to move on from this year. There's a lot of big dead cap numbers, uh, like Jared Goff. He's got like a thirty million dollar cap number. You're only really saving five hundred thousand dollars by cutting bait with him. Uh, same with a few other guys on the roster, and obviously not quite as big as Jared Goff. He's got one of the biggest numbers in the NFL in terms of dead cap. But nonetheless, uh, th- there are a few guys that I looked on the list here that could be some cap casualties. And the first one on the list is a guy I didn't understand the signing of last year when they did it, but it's going to be Jamal Williams. I think that you can get the same production that you get out of Jamal Williams out of like a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round running back in any uh, NFL draft, uh, a guy that's got, you know, three, four yards and then, you know, hits the turf. He's going to, he's going to move the pile a little bit, but he's not going to hit any of them home run, home run balls. That's decent in pass pro, but not explosive. So I think that if you cut bait with him, you save about $3 million against the cap. Uh, and then we move on to, you got a, a guy like Will Harris as well too. He's got a $2.5 million cap uh, savings number. And if you really want to move on from him as well too, is Imani Arwarie. I believe he's a DB in, in the backside of that defense. I think he played a little bit better this year in terms of uh, what he's done in the past. But to save $2.5 million against the cap, he could be a guy you move on from as well. So in total, that'd be about $8 million that you'd clear up in terms of money that you can add to the cap uh, for this upcoming free agency period to spend on other guys to bring into the organization and get some more of the guys that they're looking to get heading into the offseason here. Uh, Next up, I want to take a look at some of their their current scheduled uh, unrestricted free agents uh, that are hitting the market. And to be honest, there's not a ton of guys here as well. I know that they've really tried to cut bait with some of these guys uh, from the previous regime. And there's not a ton here that I think that they should really look to bring back uh, the top of the list. You got Tim Boyle, you got uh, Josh Reynolds, you got Khalif Raymond, Kaderil Hodge, uh, Tracy Walker, uh, just to name a few right off the top. David Blau. There's all these guys that have played sparingly for them, but they've never really made an impact on the field. Tyrell Crosby, uh, with the addition of Penny Sewell, becomes a little bit more flexible of a guy that they can let walk. Uh, Alex Anzalone, he's a guy that's played a lot of quality snaps from on the defensive side of the ball, but I really think that there's a room for an upgrade here, whether as it's a, a middle-round rookie, high-round rookie, or even if you get a guy kind of on that second wave of free agency that could replace Alex Anzalone at you know $2 million that can get better uh, production. We think back to guys like Devondre Campbell, and I'm not saying that we're going to get a guy like Devondre Campbell Again, where you sign him for $2 million and he turns into an all-pro. But it just goes to show you that these guys that are still out there, you know, into the preseason in that second, third wave of free agency can come to your roster and make an impact. So that's a big deal. Uh, there is one guy that's a little intriguing to me. is Charles Harris. Uh, the, the big thing is here is he, I don't think he really got a really fair crack at it in Miami. I think that they didn't really use utilize him to his strengths. Uh, he came to Detroit this past year, and that that's a guy that's intriguing to me to add some edge depth. He's not going to be one of the main guys that you're looking to get out there and roll out there week to week, but especially if we're going to get one of these top pass rushers, which I really hope we plan on doing here in the mock draft later on, uh, I think that that could be a key piece that we can bring in for some depth and some flexibility along the front here. So Charles Harris is the only name on this list, really, uh, that I'm taking a look at that I'd entertain the idea of bringing him back this year. 
rolling right into the next step here when we're taking a look at the free agent list. I think it's important to keep in mind here that the, the Detroit Lions are kind of in the same position that the Jacksonville Jaguars, as we talked about last week, are. You don't want to get these overpriced, high-number uh, of veterans that are like, you know, 32, 33 years old looking for these, you know, two, three, four year deals. That's going to really put you in a bad position cap wise. If you can sign them to a single year deal and have that money back on the books for next year, be my guess, we can sign some of these guys to, to kind of be a mercenary for a year. But at the same time, we don't really want to set the franchise back uh, cap wise when they're going to be bigger players here in the coming years. We want to get some key core pieces that are really going to be able to stick to this roster and help us win in the future. So when I'm taking a look at it here, the biggest weak points, in my opinion, are going to be the playmakers on both sides of the ball. You're looking at the wide receiver room on offense. You're looking at the linebacker room on defense, and you're looking at the defensive backfield on defense as well. Uh, in terms of where this this uh, this class is strong in terms of positional value for free agency, I think you can get some weapons here at wide receiver. Uh, as we mentioned on the previous show, uh, I would really target Mike Williams and uh, Chris Godwin, uh, whoever you, you lose out to in that battle, just because there's going to be some teams that are going to be able to throw a lot more cash around. Then we are going to be able to, you know, as we just mentioned, we cleared up about $8 million, So we're looking at about $28 million in cap room. Uh, there's going to be some bigger players here that are going to be able to really get some of these bigger fishes, uh, namely the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, as we just discussed. They're going to be able to throw some high-dollar amounts around. So maybe if you can attack a guy like a Rashard Higgins here in the middle of the class, or even if we're taking a look, Maybe a guy like a Sammy Watkins, a guy that can be a reliable veteran target here just because we don't have a ton of NFL talent in the wide receiver room. They got Amon Ross St. Brown, but behind him, I don't think there's really a go-to guy in this class. I think we can draft a guy high and we can get a, a free agent here and we can kind of round this room out, support Jared Goff, just because I don't see them moving on from him either. But the place that I would really look to target here, and a name that really is interesting to me that we can get at linebacker, I think, is going to be Keanu Neal. Uh, he he really struggled at safety for when he was an Atlanta Falcon, but they moved him over to this like hybrid linebacker role for Dallas this year, and he really excelled. And uh, basically, over the caps, got him cur- sitting at uh, current AP- APY at about four million. I'm thinking you're probably going to get him closer to about seven or eight. But I think that he's a key piece that you can put in the middle of this defense and really be kind of that tight end eraser in the middle of the field. And I think he does well enough in the box that you're going to be able to bring him downhill and make some plays on defense. So that's another guy that I really like. In terms of like a high safety, uh, we mentioned on the last pod, I don't think that Marcus Williams makes a sense for anybody but the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm not even going to throw that into the air here. But there's a guy, uh, Terrell Edmonds, Jabril Peppers. These are some good guys that also would fit this timeline. That you want to give a give them a flyer. They're former high round picks. Uh, they're, they're former guys that have been really big players for their team. They can add to the backside of this defensive backfield. They kind of play different roles. I think you can use Edmonds as a little more of a high safety. Jabril Peppers can be more of that hybrid slot nickel, uh, strong safety kind of guy. But both guys can be key chess pieces. So you take your pick there, and uh, you're looking at about a four to six million per year contract. So I think that those are both guys that you could entertain off offers for, which gets you to effectively about $14 million on the cap. So that's about half of what we had to spend. 
the other position I would look to upgrade, and there's there's a couple options here because I think we're going to definitely target this in the mock draft in a little bit here, but it's going to be cornerbacks as well too. We look at this cornerback room, and uh, Jeff Akuda just really hasn't lived up to the bill. Uh, we're hoping that we can develop him a little bit and he can he can make a comeback for us here. But in terms of that, you got uh, Ifai to Melanfonwu. He's a really big physical corner out of Syracuse last year, so he's still young. But we still got another hole at the other corner spot. So if if we can't attack this in the draft, we got to make sure we can shore it up here with a free agent. And what I'm taking a look at in this free agent pool is it's the same thing. we got to get a guy that can play that still fits our mold of, hey, we want to stick to this plan. And the guy I'm looking at is either going to be Kyle Fuller, who's going to be a higher dollar guy. Uh, he's effectively coming off a $10 million contract. He's he's 30 years old, so he's on that higher end. But he definitely can be a guy that can play in that that system. Or a guy like Traverius Ward. I think that he he's played a lot of man down there in Kansas City, and he kind of fits that physical bill that we're trying to play here in, in Detroit. So either one of these guys I think would be really good options. Uh, Kyler, Kyler Fuller has been a part of some really good defenses with uh, Vic Fangio and Charvarius Ward. He's played a lot, a ton of that bump and run there in Kansas City where they're throwing a lot of pressures at the at the uh, the opposing team. So sign me up if both of these guys are options. Otherwise, if they're looking to spend big money and we miss out on the other guys we discussed, J.C. Jackson, uh, this is a guy that's 27 years old. He's one of, the ben, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL the last few years. So if we can't get the other options we discussed and you want to throw a big contract out there, sign me up for J.C. Jackson at being one of the best man coverage corners and a guy that can be the cornerstone of this defense moving forward. So that's kind of my plan here in free agency for this team. We could either kind of supplement it with a few, you know, big swing, uh, high risk guys like Keon O'Neill, uh, Traverius Ward, Kyle Fuller, or we can kind of put all of our chips in one guy here and go after like a J.C. Jackson and give him a big time contract and use a ton of our cap space that way. So those are two different approaches I would take if I was the Detroit Lions. So moving right on to the next part of the and the final part of the fix your franchise for this week for the Detroit Lions, it's going to be the mock draft. And I wanted to do something a little bit different here in terms of how we were going to operate the mock draft. Instead of doing it ahead of time and reading you my picks, I want to kind of go through the exercise and explain who we're selecting and why we're selecting them. So as always, we're not going to make any uh, trades in this. We're just going to stick with what we have. I can mention if I think it'd be a good idea to trade down or not, but uh, we'll just save that for as the picks come. So let's get started here. So once again, we're using the Draft Network's mock draft simulator, and the first pick off the board is Evan Neal, which brings us to the number two selection, and we get to take our pick between Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, Ikemikwanu, and when we're taking a look at this roster, where we have the biggest holes right now, the the position I'm feeling least confident about is that outside linebacker position, and I think it's gonna it's really gonna add up. I was kind of banking on one of these scenarios happening, and that's why we didn't attack it in free agency. But I think that we're gonna go with Kayvon Thibodeau. I value him much higher than Aiden Hutchinson. I think the skill set he brings to the table is much more dynamic than Aiden Hutchinson. He he has a lot more bend. He's got a lot more power uh, speed to power rushes. I think he's he's got a higher ceiling. Uh, he doesn't have as low of a floor. He doesn't play the run as good as Aiden Hutchinson, but he's got way more high-quality traits that you value in a pass rusher, and that's why I'm going Kayvon Thibodeau at number two. 
So that's going to leave our next selection at 32. And there's going to be a lot of different things we can do here. Uh, if there's a, a quarterback needy team looking to get that fifth year option and there's a lot of trade offers, that's something that I would definitely be interested in entertaining if I was the Detroit Lions. But uh, obviously in this mock draft scenario, that's not something that we're going to do. We're just going to stay put and see what we can get here at 32. And the, some of the needs that we have, and we're taking a look at the board here. We got guys like Zion Johnson, Devin Lloyd, Perry and Winfrey, Roger McCreary, Daxton Hill, DeMarvin Leal, David Bell, Christian Harris, Desmond Ritter, a lot of guys available right now that are going to fit some uh, positions of need. And as we mentioned, we still got a need at safety, even if we do get a guy there. I think that there's that's a big-time need there. Uh, if we wanted to go quarterback and maybe get a guy for the future to, to battle it out with Jared Goff, we could go that here, a playmaker at wide receiver. But I kind of like waiting until we're a little bit deeper in the draft here just because there's always a ton of guys in that second to third round range. A guy that I have my eyes on here at this pick that I think is a huge value. There's, I don't think this is going to happen on draft day, so we're going to take him here. But I'm going to go Devin Lloyd. I think that he is a dynamic talent. And I, I've told this story before on the pod as I was watching a Utah game, and I'm like, i got to be looking out for this Devin Lloyd guy. And lo and behold, I had his number wrong, and I'm watching the wrong guy thinking, man, who's this other guy in Utah? Turns out it was Devin Lloyd. This guy's an absolute monster. I, I think he's going to... I don't know if he's going to, but I think he's going to test out of the gym this week at the Combine. And I'm really excited for what he could be, especially in this this Dan Campbell team. You get a lot of these gritty, tough guys, and I think he fits the bill. Uh, he can really take over and be a jack-of-all-trades on this defense. So right back to the draft here. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars ended up taking Boye Mafe, which brings us back on the clock at selection number 34. And once again, we got a lot of great options here. A lot of the same cats. It's going to be Zion Johnson, Perry and Winfrey, Roger McCreary, Daxon Hill, Jaquan Brisker, David Bell. Many, many selections that we could make a move on here. And I think this is kind of where the the need and the value is going to line up for us here. And especially if we can get a guy like we discussed previously, like a, a Keanu Neal or more one of those box guys like Jabril Peppers or something like that. I think that's where we can get a guy like Daxton Hill who has got some first-round love that can play one of those those uh, two high safety looks, single high safety looks. So I think that's a really good pick here at 34 for us. And as the draft is coming back around here, I think we're, we're, we're kind of sitting in a really good, really good place here. And now we're going to come back on the board here. We're going to have an opportunity at some some other big-time playmakers that have really gotten pushed down the board to us here. Uh, Kyer Elam is extremely, extremely tempting, but I'm really banking on us getting one of them corners in free agency that doesn't make this need as much of a glaring one because there's a guy that's uh, ranked right below him on TDN's board that I think is going to be a key cornerstone piece for this offense, and I think you're going to get him at a little bit of a discount due to his injury, but our timetable is a lot longer term, so it's not going to affect the Detroit Lions as much. I'm going to go John Mechie. You're going to get at selection number 66 in the draft here. I think uh, John Mechie, uh, coming into the year, he was uh, kind of touted as that next Alabama guy, but he kind of gets pushed down the board. I think he's a really good possession guy. Uh, similar to Amon Ross St. Brown, but a little bit different build. I think he's a little bit bigger uh, and not so much of a yak guy. But nonetheless, he's another guy that could be used throughout the formation, in the slot, outside, and he can be another key piece while you look for that number one playmaker to, to add to this offense. So bringing us back around, we're going to be at selection number 97, 
and I'm kind of just taking a look at what we have on the board here. Uh, another selection or position I'm looking to get some help at here is I think they have a ton of inside uh, defensive line depth. I think Levi and Wunzerike can play multiple positions up front along with Aleem McNeil. But a guy that I want to look at, since we're looking at moving on from Jamal Williams, is that's staring me right in the face here, that I think is a better version of Jamal Williams and exactly the reason we moved on from him is going to be Kyron Williams. I think that he'd be a steal at this selection. He can pass protect. He can be a little bit more of a dynamic runner. He's got great vision. He doesn't have the top end speed, but neither did Jamal Williams. So I think he can fill that Jamal Williams role and if not be even better at it while he spells uh, DeAndre Swift and it gives you a really good pairing in that backfield. So that's something that I really like that they've been able to add here in this draft. So moving right along, we're waiting for the next pick to come around. It's taken a minute or so here, so I apologize. Uh, big gap between picks as we come up to our next one. But we're still looking at uh, a lot of different needs along this draft. We're uh, just a little bit of a recap as we're waiting here. We got Kayvon Thibodeau, Devin Lloyd, Daxton Hill, John Mechie, and Kyron Williams as uh, some of the, the biggest ads so far throughout the draft. And we're coming around the fifth round, waiting for our selection to come back up. If I could really fast forward this, I would really look to do so. So let me apologize as I as I try to do so. And I almost just got rid of the entire draft. So that would have been extremely extremely upsetting for me here as we were coming around but here we are at pick one 176 in the fifth round and we still got some needs uh, I'd like to get some corner depth I think that could be a piece that could really help this uh, team out moving forward uh, I know we don't have a backup quarterback currently on the roster I'm guessing that we'll add a vet at some point but uh, just to get a like a, a developmental late round guy that's something that we could look at as well uh, maybe some interior defensive line help. I think this is more of a range that we could look to do. So we don't necessarily need to get an impact guy. More of just a depth uh, type of individual. And when we're taking a look at what we have available here to see if there's any options that I really like to move on here. And as I'm looking, I know this is great content. I'm kind of just talking to myself here. But... A guy that is currently on my radar that is still available that I really want to go with here is Justin Ross. Uh, Justin Ross, um, just a little bit of background on him. I kind of zagged here and went with a wide receiver. He's the, he's the former Clemson wide receiver. He had a really catastrophic neck injury that held him out of 2020. He rebounded this year. He didn't quite have the year that was expected. He was expected to be one of those, you know, round one top guys before the neck injury as one of the next guys up at that Clemson offense and I think the injury limited him a little bit so you're looking at a guy that has an extremely high ceiling that was a highly touted prospect but as we move along here he's pushed on the draft boards due to injury concern so I think if you can strike the iron and get some really big time value out of him you know we get a top three receiver room that's looking like uh excuse me, John Mechie, Justin Ross, and Amon Ross St. Brown. If Justin Ross really does develop into that number one target, I think that's a really, really strong wide receiver room to add to Logan Hawkinson and uh, DeAndre Swift. And you're looking at a much more dynamic offense that's ready to support a quarterback going into next year. So I, I like that pick here, especially uh, taking a big, big swing in the fifth round. 
Moving right along, we get to pick 179 in the sixth round. And as we mentioned, we're still looking for some depth at cornerback. Uh, we're still looking for some uh, backup quarterback help. And I think this is the appropriate time to maybe take a swing on a developmental guy that can maybe be a quarterback at the at the back end of his career here. And I'm going to go with uh, Jack Cohn, just because it's a very familiar name to me, uh, being a Wisconsin guy. But Jack Cohn uh, transferred to Notre Dame. I thought he looked pretty strong at the beginning of the year, and he was. they were really trying to have him lose out on that quarterback battle to one of the incoming freshmen. But I think with Jack Cohn, you're getting a, a very knowledgeable player. I believe he was a, f- a four- or five-year player uh, with a red shirt as well, too, in there. So he's a he's got the experience in college. He's he's very knowledgeable as he's moving from program to program. And I think he could be kind of a, a late-round guy that kind of sticks and be- is a core backup guy. I don't think he's ever going to develop into this big-time starter. But I, I like him as a swing at the end at the end here to maybe add some depth to that room and maybe get a guy that can be your second or third guy on the roster to really help out, maybe get a spot start to pinch. And in a, another selection here in the sixth round, we're finally going to get the cornerback help that we were looking, we we're talking about previously, and we're going to get Kyler McMichael, the corner out of North Carolina. And essentially, he's a developmental outside corner prospect. It's more of a depth guy at this point. Uh, we're looking to get some some help to that room. I know we added some in free agency, but just to make sure we fill it out and for special teams, this is a guy that we can add in here and maybe get some production along the excuse me production from down the line here. It's not going to be this huge key piece that we need to add. But I think that at this point, like I said, we're taking swings on guys that are to be eventually be special teamers, maybe add some help here uh, down the line at some other position of need as well uh, in terms of defensive help or even like position flexibility in terms of, hey, can you play some free safety in a pinch or something like that? So moving right along, we have a seventh round selection here, and I'm I'm kind of just pacing through here this we're getting down to the the nitty gritty, and not a lot of guys that we're recognizing anymore here. But a guy that I was a big fan of in the preseason here, so I'm just gonna take him because he's one of my guys and one of my hashtag guys. But it's gonna be Bubba Bolden, the safety out of Miami, really physical guy. Uh, he really got pushed down some boards. I was high on him in the off season, but uh, Miami as a whole program kind of has a down year. But I think especially if you get a guy. Uh, that that can play that two high role or one high role like Daxton Hill. You can go down and you can get a guy like Bubba Bolden who can kind of play like that hybrid linebacker role. And like I said, if we have a Keanu Neal, this is a guy that could back up Keanu Neal in that role. So I really like him in the seventh round here. We can add him to the roster as well. And the last, excuse me, I believe this is our last selection here. Yep, and a guy that you're going to see in the end of my mock drafts a lot because I see him in the seventh round available all the time. It's going to be Charleston Rambo. It's going to be another Miami guy at wide receiver. He, I thought he was really good at uh, Oklahoma. He, it, it seems as though he was just passed on in favor for some of these younger guys. But I thought he was a really good player at Oklahoma. He transfers to Miami, uh, ends up getting pushed down draft boards, doesn't have quite the success that he was planning on. But, like, once again, uh, these are guys that are going to be big-time key special teams players. And uh, the Detroit Lions need all the help they can get at at the playmaker roles. Uh, They they don't have a ton of depth at wide receiver. They don't have a ton of depth at corner. 
let's bring in a, an influx of young talent to really push these guys and really push to make the roster. So I'm going Charleston Rambo at number seven, which is going to be our last selection. So just recap and everything that we got in the draft here. Number two is going to be Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge defender of Oregon. Number 32, we get Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. 34, Daxton Hill, safety, Michigan. Number 66, John Mechie, wide receiver, Alabama. Number 97, Kyron Williams, running back, Notre Dame. 176, we get Justin Ross, wide receiver, Clemson. 179, quarterback, Jack Cohn, Notre Dame. 217, Nick Grant, safety from Virginia. At 231, it's going to be Bubba Bolden, safety, Miami. My apologies, not Nick Grant. It's Brandon, or it's a, the McMichael gentleman from North Carolina, the cornerback. So not Nick Grant. It's McMichael, the cornerback from North Carolina at 217. At 231, it's going to be Bubba Bolden, safety from Miami. And at 239, it's going to be Charleston Rambo, wide receiver, Miami. So I think that we really attacked some positions of need. I think that they had a ton of a ton of need at some of these these playmaker positions as they've done a really good job of building out the trenches the last few years through the draft. And then as we discuss here, we get Kayvon Thibodeau and Devin Lloyd at the top to really round out that front seven on the defensive side. So I think that's really big time improved. And as we mentioned, if we can get one of these a big ticket corner like J.C. Jackson to sign, or maybe we go the the smaller ticket route and we get a guy like a Charvarius Ward or a Jabril Peppers or even some of these other smaller names. I think that that, that could really get us st- steered in the right direction in terms of what we're going to do with this defensive backfield, especially if we're getting a guy like Daxton Hill in the draft. I think that could be a, a big big difference for this defense moving in the right direction and I think that that's a really good way to build out this roster to get ready to support a quarterback here in the near future not necessarily this year but maybe down the road so that's how we're going to fix the Detroit Lions so that's going to be it for this week's show I hope you guys all enjoyed the uh, fixing your franchise segment with the Detroit Lions this week and I hope you really enjoyed the the prospect rankings for the 2022 NFL Draft. Like I said, next week we're going to do tight ends and offensive linemen for the rankings. We'll do top fives of each. And then also we'll just move right down the list here. We're going to move on to the third selection in the NFL Draft. So make sure you're tuning in there to see that fix your franchise. And make sure you're keeping up with our prospect rankings. And if not, we'll see you guys next week.